Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen, and we are just a couple a day, couple days away from pit football. It sounds crazy. I still can't really believe it, and I'm not going to fully believe it until Friday and wait until there's no uh, announcement that the game has been postponed or anything like that. But we need to do a season preview under the assumption that everything will at least begin as planned. And with that, we have former Cardiac Hill uh, contributor, former Unscripted co-host, and current Panther Lair contributor, Jim Hammett. Jim, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. It's always good to be back on the podcast. And it's, like you said, it's just I can't believe there's actually going to be football, so it's actually fun to be talking about football. I, it has snuck up on me in a way that it never has before. Like I said, I, I still can't really go 100% really amped up, really excited until I'd say about Friday because we have seen this week that games have been postponed. We saw Baylor's game was postponed a couple of – so until Friday because that's when they're doing their testing or getting their results, once Friday happens – if they don't postpone the game, then I'll start getting really excited. But it still feels surreal because it really didn't feel like it was going to happen for a long time, and it still doesn't totally feel like it. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, just with the – you know, thinking back a couple months ago whenever, you know, the Big Ten domino fell, then the Pac-12, and it kind of came down to if the Big 12 is going to play, and that's kind of – they were kind of the linchpin to the whole college football season. So – once they said they were playing, it was, okay, full steam ahead. Here's training camp. Uh, and, you know, we, we've kind of been working remotely. I haven't seen the team in person yet. It's kind of been weird. Normally by now I'm at camp three days a week and, you know, getting ready to go to these press conferences and go to the games. And it's just so different working, uh, working off of Zoom with what we're talking on right now. Absolutely. It's, I'm sure it's got to be bizarre that you can't go to training camp. Uh, you, you can't go and interview the players after the games, things like that. So it's, it's got to be difficult to cover it. Still, though, you are one of the experts when it comes to, to pit football, when it comes to the team, what we should expect this year. And again, while we don't know for sure about anything this season, we don't know. We don't know for sure if the season's going to start. We really don't know if it's going to finish, at least on time. Uh, I would not be at all shocked if a game or two or more are postponed because one of the teams, there might be a positive test or there might be a couple positive tests and they're not sure if it's spread. So they might have to move around the schedule a lot. Things might get topsy-turvy. We don't know what the other conferences are going to do, the Big Ten in particular, what the playoff is going to look like. We don't know much. But all we know is week by week that there is a plan for a season to happen in the ACC, one non-conference game, and then uh, 10 conference games. And that's the plan. We'll see what happens, but that's the plan. And to break down this team, I want to go unit by unit and take a look at all of these units and, Jim, go through them with you and figure out what we should expect from all these. So let's start with the most important position in sports, the quarterback. Kenny Pickett, his third year, we all remember him breaking through against Miami when uh, he was, uh, it feels like forever ago. Uh, and now this is really his time to step up. He's, uh, just this week, he was named captain. Uh, but we're seeing something that we haven't seen for really the entire duration of his career, which is an actual deep depth chart, it seems. In the past, if he struggled, there was really no question if you could go to anyone else because there, there wasn't anyone else 
who you could reasonably expect to be a starting quarterback on this team, that might be a little bit different this year. You've, you've got some talented guys behind him. So what have you seen? I, I know it's very difficult with Zoom and all that, but what should we expect to see from Kenny Pickett? Should we expect to see him take a step up? And if not, I mean, what's the depth chart look like behind him? Yeah, I, I think Kenny Pickett's going to take that step up this year. I think just he's a natural leader on the team. He's always found ways to win games. Uh, he kind of comes up with that clutch moment in the end. And you, you kind of want to get to a point where you just have a lead and you don't need to pull a rabbit out your hat at the end. But he started, I think, 28 out of the past 29 games for Pitt. Uh, 2018, not much of a passer kind of a game manager. Last year, they asked him to make some more throws. And, you know, the, the, the stats are somewhat misleading. There are some smoke and mirrors. Yes, it was a 3,000-yard season, but only 13 touchdowns in, in his 12 starts. So it, you, you want to be able to see him find the end zone a little bit more. And I, I don't think it was all his fault. I think, you know, Pitt was one of the top teams in the country in drops. I think there was some deficiencies with Mark Whipple and in installing that new offense. I, there was no running game to speak of. The line was, you know, all four new starters. So a lot of things worked against him. So I think when you go into this year, you have five linemen with starting experience, including Jimmy Morrissey, one of the best interior linemen in the ACC. You have some experienced receivers. You have some newcomers that are supposed to, you know, make some plays. So I think all that really feeds into what Kenny Pickett can be. And, and like I said, he, he does have the respect of the team, has respect of the huddle. He's a captain. Uh, you know, t you know, people look to him to make that big play. And you talk about the, the, the pit special against UCF. You talk about that game winning throw against Eastern Michigan. You talk about, you know, leading that drive against North Carolina. He's found ways to do it in his career. So I, I, I think he is poised for a step up this season, but I, like you said, there are, there are some options behind him. I think Joey Yellen being eligible, you know, whenever that came through, I mean, he threw for four touchdowns against USC last year in his lone start. So you have someone that knows how to make plays in a college game. Davis Bevel is a, you know, four-star recruit, a big six foot six body. So I think those are two guys behind him. And we did see Nick Patty a little bit. He was one and zero as a starter last year. Uh, he made a couple plays in the central Florida game when Pickett went down. So they have guys with experience, you know, with Patty and Yellen and, a promising guy in Bavel. So I, I think for the first time in a while, this pit quarterback room has some depth. Right. And that's the thing that in the past, if your starting quarterback struggled or God forbid gets hurt, there's really nowhere to go. <laughs> the season's sort of over. And this season, again, it, everyone is hoping that Kenny Pickett can take that step up. But if anything happens, you do have some guys, you mentioned Yellen there, transfer from Arizona State. Uh, Bavel is a young, promising prospect. So you do at least have some options in case Pickett doesn't work out. But of course, that is plan 1A. You need Kenny Pickett to, to keep that upward trajectory going. Okay, next, the running back unit. Pitt known as RBU, going back from Tony Dorsett, more recently, uh, Shady McCoy, James Conner, Quadri Olison now in the NFL. This year, it's, you know, Pitt is known for running backs. This year is going to be interesting. They've got A.J. Davis listed as the starter, but this seems like it's going to be a big rotation between A.J. Davis. You've got Todd Sibley, Vincent Davis, Daniel Carter, and, and even more. So, Jim, what should we expect? I mean, is, is this going to be a one-back set, a two-back set? I mean, how many real functional running backs is this Pitt team going to have? Yeah, I mean, you see A.J. Davis listed as the starter, and he has the most experience. Uh, so I, 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 he's listed as that number one guy, but I don't know if he's going to finish the season as, as that number one guy. I think it's kind of going to be a matter of, uh, you know, 
finding the hot hand and, you know, riding, you know, certain players. And I think the good thing with Pitt, I think the fortunate thing for them is some of those guys are younger. So you don't really quite know what you have with those guys just yet. And, uh, you know, you talk about the true freshman from New York City, Israel Abitaconda. He's been, you know, explosive. We got to see him a little bit in spring camp. He busted a big run. Uh, you know, we saw Vincent Davis a little bit last year. I think he had two big, long touchdown runs. He made some plays. He kind of seemed to be the starter towards the last two or three games of the season. So you have those two guys. And I think kind of the big surprise, uh, you know, from camp is we, we've been hearing a lot about Daniel Carter. And it kind of seemed like in the spring he got moved to fullback, but it kind of seems he's playing a little bit of both. And even, you know, getting reps on the first team at running back, he's 5'10", 220, uh, out of St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida. So I think he's a guy that, you know, if Pitt needs that big back, he can be that guy. So they have some options. They still have Todd Sibley around. A.J. Davis, you know, showed flashes, had a couple moments last year. But it, the, the main takeaway from camp is, you know, even though he's listed as a starter, nobody has ever come out and said he's been that clear-cut number one guy during camp. All right, so moving on to the receiver unit. This seems to be a pretty strong unit with a lot of experience. You've got Shockey Jacques-Louis coming back, who can be explosive. Taysier Mack, who's dependable. Trey Tipton, Jared Wayne. You've got a new tight end in Lucas Kroll, a transfer from Florida, and that's a position that Pitt has not been able to really establish as a powerful one uh, in quite a while now. And then on top of that, you've got Jordan Addison coming in as a freshman. Seems to be an X-factor, an explosive player, a spark plug. This seems to be a deep unit, an experienced unit. Jim, what sh should this be a strength for the Pitt offense? I think it can be. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit last year or earlier in the podcast, actually. Uh, they did have some drop issues. There were, you know, there were issues at times where, you know, Kenny Pickett would kind of set them up and it, it just wouldn't happen. But I think, you know, you got to start when you look at this unit. You, you look at Taysier Mack. He had 63 catches last year, three touchdowns. 736 yards. I mean, he, he, he's a great deep ball player. I mean, he's a guy you want to get in one-on-one -on -one situations. We saw him win the bowl game. Uh, he can kind of go up and make those plays. And you have a guy like Shockey Jacques-Louis. He's always been a little injured throughout his career, never been fully healthy. But, you know, you kind of think back to last year. He had that big splash play. I think it was a 75-yarder against North Carolina. So you know what he can do. Uh, Jared Wayne came on strong, also kind of battled through some injuries, and he's kind of a different receiver, kind of 6'3", 6'4", and, you know, they kind of need that big receiving threat, losing Aaron Matthews. So I think those are, you know, the three guys you got to start with, but, you know, the, the, the talk of camp really has been Jordan Addison. He is a freshman, a true freshman out of Maryland, uh, not a, you know, very highly rated recruit on Rivals. We had him as a three-star, but uh, it, it's so unique for Pat Narduzzi to talk about a freshman so glowingly. I mean, we've heard him, you know, compare him to Antonio Brown. We, we've heard him say he's as good as Maurice French. I mean, he said so many good things about Jordan Addison, and he always tries to downplay freshmen. He always tries to, you know, keep the expectations low. But, you know, when you hear him talk about Jordan Addison, you hear about the speed, you hear about the hands, and, you know, it kind of feels like you have a Tyler Boyd situation on your hands where you have this kind of player that can impact the game right away. So I think he's going to be a guy that really uh, – really can impact that room. And another one, and we, we talked to him, uh, the media spoke to him today, is DJ Turner, a graduate transfer from Maryland, kind of a last minute added to the team, September 1st kind of guy. Uh, he was expected to start at Maryland this year. He, he has some punt return skills. Uh, so, you know, things never really worked out for him at Maryland, but uh, there were some connections there. Chris Beatty coached him at Maryland. Uh, 
Pat Narduzzi coached his brother. He, he was looking for a new home when the Big Ten canceled. And, you know, things kind of worked out. So we'll see if he can impact as well. So I think those are five names right there. And, of course, you know, Trey Tipton back for year six. Uh, it seemed last year he started to make some plays before he got hurt. So I, I think they have a lot of options. And, in, in, you know, there's some unknowns. And it could be, you know, really good if Jordan Addison is as good as Bill. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about that, that Tyler Boyd comparison, and it's not quite the same because Tyler Boyd in high school was a highly rated recruit, and a lot of people knew that he would be really special. Jordan Addison seems to be coming on a little bit later, but uh, Pitt has not had a truly great, really exciting wide receiver, freshman wide receiver since Tyler Boyd, and Jordan Addison could very well do that. It also looks like we might see him in uh, special teams as well. I want to talk about the offense. You mentioned Jimmy Morrissey. So this is a unit that in the past, it's really affected the offense. When the offense struggled two years ago, a lot of people talked about the offensive coordinator, and there was obviously fault there. The quarterback, there was obviously fault there. The offensive line as a unit, that was a big reason why the offense struggled. Kenny Pickett never had time to do anything. They couldn't establish the run. They really struggled. Um, and, and last year still had some issues. This year, you've got a handful of guys who are returning, a couple new people uh, on the line. What should we expect to see from the offensive line this year? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the key to the offensive line this season really is Carter Warren at left tackle. Um, it, it, if he makes that jump, then I think this line can be pretty good. But, you know, he had moments last year, but it seemed towards the end of the season he kind of really fell off. And it, it was kind of disappointing because going into last year, a lot of the talk was Carter Warren's ready to be the left tackle. He's ready to be that guy. And you know, in that Penn State game, he actually looked pretty good. Then, you know, it was kind of downhill from there. But if, you, if they can get something out of him, you know, have a good uh, center in Jenny, Jimmy Morrissey. Bryce Hargrove was, I think, third team all-conference last year. So you have a pretty good inside. And, you know, on that right side of the line, uh, Gabe Hoy is going from right guard to right tackle. He kind of looks more of a tackle. He's 6'6". He's kind of tall and lean. And uh, Jake Cradle uh, played a lot as a redshirt freshman. They were really high on him. So he's a sophomore. So all five of those guys have starting experience. Uh, you know, it, it, like you said, you, you need to give Kenny Pickett time, but you also need to be able to establish a run and, you know, the passing game kind of builds off the running game and vice versa. So I, I think there's some talent there. Obviously there's a lot of experience and you, you, with offensive lines, there's no like stats you can really go off of that's like other than, you know, sacks allowed and the actual yardage production. So, I mean, you would really have to study it, but, experience is one thing you can always look at in an offensive line and they have a lot of it. And it's just a matter of, you know, can they gel in a second year together? That will be a major part because again, the offensive line is the unit that it's not often talked about unless you're doing poorly, unless they're struggling, unless your quarterback doesn't have time, unless you can't establish the run. And so it is sort of a thankless job, but it's crucially important and they haven't really been able to do both jobs incredibly well the last few years. We'll see if they can take that big step up this year with some experience. Now moving on to the other side of the football on defense, we'll start with the D-line. The, the big news a couple of months ago in the midst of all the COVID-19 pandemic and everything that was happening, Jalen Twyman decided he wasn't going to play this year. He was just going to take the year off, prepare for the NFL draft, uh, and be a draft pick next season. And obviously, it, it, you, you can't blame him at all. It makes a lot of sense from his perspective, and you completely respect that that's his decision. On the other hand, it does hurt Pitt 
when it comes to that defensive line. Jalen Twyman, Jalen Twyman looking like he could have been one of the better defensive players in the entire country. And now Pitt doesn't have him anymore. So a big loss, both on the field and off the field. You certainly understand why he did it, but a big loss for uh, Pitt football. Is this unit still going to be a big strength? I mean, this was supposed to be maybe the best unit that Pitt had, offense or defense, this entire season. And uh, you could very well make the case they were last year. And now they don't have Jalen Twyman. Should we still expect that this is going to be a big strength, or do you think they're going to miss him quite a bit? I think they'll miss Jalen Twyman, but at the, at the end of the day, I still think the defensive line is going to be that strength of the team. I think you look at Patrick Jones, and you can argue he was as good or better than Twyman last year, and he's back. I, I think he's a guy you look at as a, as a first, second-round pick, uh, you know, with another strong season. And, of course, you have to talk about the two guys coming back that didn't play last year. I mean, going into last season, I think generally it was assumed that Rashad Weaver was the best overall player on the team. And he didn't see a snap of football last year. So if he's back to any sort of level that he was once at, I mean, you have two very good defensive ends that not many teams in the country can match. But, you know, with him being out, you saw a lot of guys step up. You saw Deslin Alexander. You saw uh, Haba Baldonado. You saw John Morgan. So it kind of created depth. And so now you have a guy back. And I Obviously, that's defensive end. When you talk uh, Jalen Twyman, you're talking defensive tackle. And another guy that's coming back, uh, Keyshawn Camp, he, he played one half of football last season. He actually looked pretty good against Virginia. It looked like he was on it. You know, he finally was going to stay healthy and have a big season. He's always had injuries throughout his career. So I think you have a good player there. And it, the big thing is going to be replacing Twyman. And it looks like the first guy to kind of get that job will be Devin Danielson. Uh, a local kid from Thomas Jefferson High School in Pittsburgh, uh, three-star recruit. He's kind of more of a, I would say, a guy that can defend the run as Twyman was more of a pass-rushing interior lineman. So it kind of changes your style a little bit. But the thing with Pitt and Pat Narduzzi, Charlie Partridge, is you look at the recruiting classes every year and you wonder why they're taking five or six defensive linemen. Why do they need that many? Why do they stock that position? I think this is why I think they know the key for this pit defense to be successful. Uh, the way they play is you need to be able to pat, you know, rush the passer and they always have defensive linemen. You look, they have depth right now. And even after this season, whenever, you know, Jones and Weaver move on, uh, there's that next wave of guys with the, you know, Dayon Hayes and Elliot Donald coming up. So, I mean, it's just one position where this coaching staff really recruits and prioritizes and I think, you know, in these situations, losing a Twyman, it doesn't kill them. Well, that, that, I know a lot of Pitt fans are going to be happy to hear that. Of course, mentioning guys like Keyshawn Camp and Rashad Weaver, who should be very good, who we just didn't see last year. And so while you're going to miss Twyman, you are going to get uh, contributions from other guys. Now looking at the linebacker position. This is a position where it seems like we know what to expect. It seems like we know who's really going to stand out. You're talking about Phil Campbell, Wendell Davis, Cam Bright. They seem to be the three starters, uh, obviously all with experience. How good can the linebacker position be? Because we've seen some stars on the defensive line from a handful of years ago, Aaron Donald to you mentioned Rashad Weaver and, of course, Jalen Twyman and, and a couple other guys. We've seen the stars in the, the defensive backfield between Paris Ford and DeMar Hamlin. And, and again, you could go on and on. We haven't 
seen superstars come out of the linebacker position. It's been a lot of you put guys there and some guys really show up and, and can shine. But Pitt hasn't really seen a phenomenal linebacker group uh, in, in a little while now. So now that you've got these three starters and Campbell, Davis, Bright, who all have experience, who all have shown that they can be, you know, very good linebackers, legitimate starting linebackers. Can this unit be now a big strength for uh, the Pitt defense? You know, it just kind of starts whenever you look at Pitt joining the ACC and you look at whenever Pat Narduzzi took over this defense and you kind of remember back to some of the linebackers they've had and you, you, you remember, you know, like you had Elijah Zeiss as a converted wide receiver. You had Sean Igo as a walk-on. You had, you know, like Mike Capera. And like, well, it wasn't – it didn't look like an ACC linebacking core. It was always those guys who – they just had to step up. They didn't really have star linebackers, so they just plugged a guy in here or there. And a lot of times they would be pretty good, but, again, but never a star, never someone who was really fit and perfect for that position, it seemed. Yeah, and, and, and looking at this year, I think Phil, Cam Phil Campbell's a good linebacker. I think Cam Bright's a good linebacker. I think Wendell Davis has a chance to be a good linebacker. I, I don't know if Phil Campbell's ever going to be a star in the NFL, but I think he's a guy that can have a really productive season for Pitt. I think Cam Bright can do the same things. They, 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 they just kind of fit the scheme that Pat Narduzzi's trying to run. That, that it's – you know, Pitt runs a 4-3 defense, but that one outside linebacker kind of has to cover a little bit. He's kind of running around and kind of being a rover. So it, you have to be athletic to play linebacker for Pitt right now. And I think those guys are athletic. I think they can get after the quarterback. And I think they're going to put up numbers. I think, uh, you know, the way Randy Bates has his guys blitz, I think Pitt linebackers blitz a lot more than most teams. Like, they really take chances. They like to just put pressure. And I, I think they have the right personnel to do it. Um, like I said, I, I don't know if any, it, those three guys, I don't know if either of them will play in the NFL. I don't think, maybe not, but I think they, they can be really productive, good college linebackers. Yeah, I think that this should be the first year that we see a real complete unit, uh, and we'll see what Pitt can do with that at the linebacker position. And then finally on the defense, the D-backs, uh, the corners and the safeties. This unit, they've got experience. They've got talent. They, they've got, you talk about stars, they've got some stars. Really, is there anything not to like about this unit? You talk about the defensive line being pretty stacked. Defensive backs seem to be pretty stacked as well. I think the, the one thing you can point to that you might not like about the unit is the depth. I, I, think, I think once you get past that starting group, you, you might get into some trouble. And, it, and it's more of the unknown. You don't know what you have with these guys behind them. But you know what you have at safety, uh, the two starters, DeMar Hamlin, Paris Ford, the two returning leading tacklers on the team. Uh, Paris Ford was electric last year. He's already, you know, considered one of the best safeties in college football. Uh, DeMar Hamlin got that surprise extra year, and he's just steady. He's he, he's one of the most steady players Pat Narduzzi has had since he's been at Pitt. Uh, you know what you have with him. And at corner, I mean, obviously you're going to miss DeMar Mathis. Uh, losing him for the season was, was definitely a big blow, but Jason Pinnock's played a lot of football. He's a big physical corner, has always kind of – that type of player has always excelled under Pat Narduzzi so you know the question right now is who, who's going to be that other corner and uh, the depth chart on Monday was Marquez Williams a 5'8 sophomore out of Florida he's kind of uh, more of a Vavante Maddox than a Jason Pinnock so we'll see how that goes and obviously he'll be picked on being the new guy but uh, they they have those those three seniors and Pinnock uh, you know Hamlin and Ford 
the, those guys that can kind of lead them through it. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how Pitt can kind of support, uh, you know, a new corner on the one end. Absolutely. And uh, I'm not going to do special teams because I, I think everyone pretty much knows what Pitt has there. They've got returning kicker, returning punter, and, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, so the, the one last thing before we talk about a prediction for the season is the coaches. Now this year, it, it's a lot different than usual. Normally you talk about Narduzzi and it's been a little bit of a, you know, solidly long tender now, at least as far as pit coaches go, they don't normally make it this far. And under normal circumstances, you might be talking about, well, what's he got to get this year? How many wins does he have to get to, you know, get another contract extension and really, you know, keep his job and, and not have people calling for the hot seat because that's what we did in 2018. We talked about that. And uh, then of course in 20 and 2019, we talked about that last season and uh, you know, in both cases, they've done what they've needed to do. Of course, last year, the ending was a little bit disappointing how they ended the, uh, the regular season uh, getting shut out against Virginia tech and then losing to Boston college, not counting the bowl game. But, uh, you know, this year, it's just so different. There's really not a measure. And again, in just a second, we'll talk about the schedule. But with everything going on with COVID-19, with the fact that we didn't even think necessarily that there was going to be a college football season, we're still not sure that there, there's going to be a full one or that it'll finish on time. Uh, and it's, the, the schedule has changed. Now you've got 10 ACC games. You're not playing your non-conference games anymore. Really, everything has been changed so much. You, you've got guys leaving who you weren't expecting, like Twyman. You've got guys coming to the program who you weren't expecting uh, because the Big Ten shut down. So, so many things have changed. There's a lot of instability in the country in college football. And now it actually seems like it's a real benefit to have someone like Pat Narduzzi at the top of your program who isn't new, who isn't really learning anything, who at this point – is he knows what he wants, he's, he knows what he's doing, and with all these changes, he can really focus on that instead of having to focus on other things. So with Pat Narduzzi, again, normally this might be sort of a make-or-break year. Doesn't really seem to be the case with everything else going on. So talk about Pat Narduzzi, where he is with his tenure, and then, of course, now this is a rare season where you have both an offensive and defensive coordinator who are both returning from last season. There's, there's not a bunch of upheaval with his coaching staff. Yeah, like I, like you said, you, you don't really know what what benchmark you need to get to as a coach this year because it's just a different year. You don't you don't even know if you're going to finish a year. So I think in a normal circumstance, if this pandemic didn't happen and the schedule was what it was, I think he kind of needed to get to that. You know, at least eight and four, nine and three with what he had back. And you know, since he you know he lost a couple players already, so it's different. And, you know, you have one less game now. Now they're all conference games. So I, I don't know what he needs to get to. But as you mentioned, with the stability factor, I think, you know, the one thing we talk about with this pit defense is they have so many seniors. They have so many good players, guys that can potentially play in the NFL. They have all five defensive coaches back. And I think that's key. I think since Randy Bates has been there, I think they really went from just being, you know, kind of a defense on the rise to an actually good defense. I think Charlie Partridge is a really good defensive line coach. And so I, I really think those things have made a difference. You look at the offensive staff, all five guys are back from last year. I, I think the offense has a lot to prove, but you know, in, with how crazy this off season was, uh, you, you talk to the players, you talk to the coaches during these zoom meetings. Um, 
they were able to meet and they didn't really miss a beat. At least that's what they're saying. It's like they were able to kind of go about their business and who knows how that would have gone if you had a different offense coordinator. How do, how do you install a new offense over the computer? So I think a lot of that, a lot can be said for having that stability, having that continuity that, you know, you had a veteran team, you have a team with 21 seniors, you have a team with all 11 coaches back from last season. So you have this, thing and you know you saw what you can be you saw you can be this good defensive team you saw you were close on offense so there there are times where you know they they were close from being a seven and five team to a nine and three team so i think just having that continuity is is a good thing heading into this year absolutely i think that is sort of an underrated advantage that Pitt has this year there are a lot of disadvantages just the fact that this was supposed to be the best defense, and it still could be, but this was supposed to be the best defense that Pitt has seen in years. The offense was supposed to take a step up. This could have been the best Pitt football team in a long time under normal circumstances. Now, of course, the schedule changed, making the ACC championship becomes a lot harder when you add Notre Dame and you take out the the divisions, and everything's sort of topsy-turvy. And so, as you mentioned, Jim, you, you can't really have a normal benchmark for what you've got to see from this team and what you've got to see from Narduzzi. And again, we don't even know if the full schedule is going to take place or take place on time or if guys are going to you know miss a game because of COVID. We have no clue what's going to happen. But through all that, having returning coaches, having returning players, that seems to be a big advantage for Pitt that not every team uh, can talk about and say that they have. So, Jim, before you go, to close out the season preview – I do want to get a, uh, a record prediction from you, how you think the season's going to turn out. Back when you were with Cardiac Hill, there was the season where you went 12-0, uh, and 0, if I recall. You got every game right. And uh, so you are sort of an oracle when it comes to this. I know this year is more difficult, uh, but I, I, want to, I want to get your opinion. What do you think will be Pitt's record for the year? I know it's tough to gauge what it should be or how many wins they should have or what the benchmark is. What do you think it will be? You know, I, I've kind of I've been on a podcast already previewing the season. I think I came up with about eight and three. Um, you know, when I look at the schedule, I think they beat Austin P. I think they lose to Clemson, and I think uh, the other nine games, I think four are probably wins and five are probably toss ups, and that's <laughs> that's kind of pit football. Uh, you look last year, you know, they're all toss ups. I mean, they, these games always come down to the wire for this team, so. You know, if, if they're going to avoid those toss-up situations, the offense needs to be better. Uh, they can't just keep playing in games where they win 20 to 10 or whatever. I mean, they need to find a way to start winning comfortably, and that, that's the key to the season. But you look at last year, it's, you know, they, they win against Central Florida by one. They beat Delaware by three. They beat Duke by three. They beat Syracuse by seven, Georgia Tech by 10. I mean, there's such a small margin for error for this defense that the defense almost has to be perfect. So the offense really needs to kind of, you know, carry their weight. So like I said, I, I, I think they lose to Clemson. I think they win this Saturday. Um, you know, Notre Dame's a tough game. Virginia Tech's a tough game. Uh, you know, Miami and Florida State are talented. You don't know how good they are. Louisville has a really good offense, but the other ones should be winnable. Uh, you're going to win some of those Miami, Florida State, Louisville type games. So eight and three is kind of what I've been telling people, but who knows? I mean, if the offense seems a lot better, the defense doesn't take a step back from losing Twyman and Mathis, then this team can be really good. And I think, uh, you know, nationally, I don't think a lot of people are saying that, but you, you, you know, around 
around the pit program, they're confident. And even in ACC circles, uh, you know, David Hales, uh, the ACC writer for the ESPN, he really likes this pit team. I mean, he, he's really high on them. So I think in ACC circles, this team's well-regarded. I think uh, people know what they have. And, uh, you know, it, it really just comes down to them proving it. It really comes down to Kenny Pickett and that offense. Yeah, and uh, it'll be – it's so tough to figure out what this team's going to do when you talk about, well, it all comes down to, to the quarterback and to the offense because you really don't know what you're going to see. Last year, this pit team, people were really down on them uh, sort of at the beginning because uh, they, they lost the season opener to Virginia. They struggled versus Ohio. They lost to Penn State in what seemed like an actually winnable game. And then they come back with a big win against UCF. And then they almost lose to Delaware. And then they almost collapse versus Duke, but come back. It was such a crazy year, a topsy-turvy year. And things were looking really good until, as I mentioned, they lose the last two games of the regular season. And things sort of end on a bit of a dry note. Then they win the bowl game. It was just such an up-and-down year. I would not be surprised to see that again this year. I think there might be a little bit more stability when it comes to, I know that's crazy to hear about Pitt when it comes to losing to the teams you're supposed to lose to, beating the teams you're supposed to beat. We'll see. But what we really don't know is how this, this pandemic is going to affect the quality of play, how these players practice. We just saw this week that Navy got destroyed by BYU in part because they were barely practicing. They didn't do any in-person tackles. I mean, a lot of things are going to be sloppy. And so we'll see. I would not be at all surprised if Pitt starts out very ugly in their opening game against Austin P. I I agree. I think they win that. I think they lose to Clemson. I'm a little bit more pessimistic than you are. I say they probably finish seven and four. Uh, I think you talk about losses to Clemson, probably Notre Dame, uh, probably Louisville, and then either Virginia Tech or Miami. I could see beating one. That's 10 for, for years now. This is what I've done with Pitt. I can't tell you every game what's going to happen, but I can tell you if they win this game, that they could go either way, then they're going to lose another game. They could go either way. Pitt doesn't always come out on top, and they don't always come out behind. It tends to all even itself out one way or the other. So I'll say that they finish 7-4. and four. Maybe they, they pull off a big win against Notre Dame or Clemson or Louisville, but then they would probably lose to a team uh, like Syracuse or Boston College or something like that. So uh, at the end of the day, I think it will all sort of work itself out. We might see some some weird wins and some weird losses. I'm going to go with seven and four. And again, with with this year, uh, that that would not be enough to make it to the ACC championship game. But again, it really just feels like all the expectation game that's just sort of all out the window. At this point, I think all of us just want to see college football. You want to see Pitt football. You want to see what they can do. And it's unfortunate for Pitt in a year where they were supposed to have so much talent and supposed to be really great and maybe make it to the ACC championship game and just see what they can do. You're not really judging based on that anymore. And so it's a shame that this season is going to be so unorthodox, but I think you just have to take every game for what it is. And it seems like, yeah, it'll be about seven, maybe eight wins, maybe one more, maybe one less, but right about in that range in this what's sure to be a topsy-turvy year. Yeah, and, you know, the, the crazy thing is we look at the schedule and, you know, you start with four home games, you, you finish like three out of four on the road. It, it was just like it's so different than what we were looking at, uh, you know, a couple months ago. The schedule we thought we were going to see, it, it was thrown out the window. So 
everything about this season is just a little crazy. You don't, you don't know what to expect, but, you know, starting with four home games is going to be weird. I, I don't know if that's a benefit or if it's, you know, having all those road games on the back end is going to hurt them. So it, it's a weird season, but, I, you know, I think everyone's just kind of anxious for Saturday and just they just kind of want to see this team perform. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the different – uh, schedule than, than everyone was expecting. You certainly didn't expect to have to play Clemson on the road again. You didn't expect to have to play Florida State on the road. Uh, it, it's it's definitely going to be difficult. It's going to be more difficult and a, and a more difficult season in general than Pitt was hoping, hoping for. But I think as long as there's college football, if there's Pitt football for us to watch and to cover, I think all of us are going to be pretty happy. Uh, Jim, it was great having you on here. Like I said, it's surreal that this season is happening. But I'm really glad in, in a way that even though you haven't been able uh, to be at training camp, that you're still able to cover the team and you're able to give us this uh, analysis on what we should be able to look for uh, this, this season. And especially in this opening game against Austin P. who knows exactly what we're going to see. And it, anything that happens, you never know how much of it is just the opponent versus how, you know, how the player is going to be for the rest of the year. So this is going to help a lot of uh, listeners of this podcast really try to figure out what Pitt has with this football team and see what they can do this year. Uh, I, I think I speak for you when I say really excited that college football is back uh, and the pit football will be back. And we certainly hope that COVID dies down enough and that the team is, uh, is, you know, continues to be incredibly responsible as do the opponents and that everything continues to go off without a hitch and all the games get played on time. We are all really hoping for that. Uh, again, Jim Hammett, thank you so much. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter um, and uh, you can check him out on Panther Lair. Uh, a lot of great stuff on that site. You can also check out Cardiac Hill uh, for all your pit news. And yeah, we're going to be back in a, a pretty normal schedule after every pit game. If their schedule is normal, our schedule will be normal. I'm sure we'll have Jim back at some point during the season uh, to make sense of everything. Again, thank you so much, Jim. Uh, pit football this weekend, folks. Get excited. Uh, until next week, I'm Corey Cohen signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.